All right, well, that's enough for the announcements. Let's, uh, let's just jump into our, our, our message for today. Um, we have been uh, on a series, we're finishing up today, a series called Bullies. Um, this, this has been an interesting series for, for, for me uh, personally. I've, I've enjoyed, I um, feel like the Lord's kind of dealt with a lot of stuff in me with, with this. Um, we've talked about uh, a couple of things. We've talked about guilt. We've talked about shame. We've talked about fear. And we, the worship team did such a great job this morning of kind of hitting all of those, that, that we are free from those. And we, we looked at how... Um, Th- those things in themselves, most things really, are, are things that the enemy, the real enemy, um, uses to bully us. Fear, shame, guilt. Um, and and we, we've talked a lot in the last couple of weeks on how to identify those things, um, how, to, uh, how to see them kind of in our lives, in the lives, how they play out in culture. Um, but today, to, to, to kind of wrap this up, I wanted to spend most of our time... Um, looking at a passage that's, that helps us understand what we do about those things. It's important that we identify bullies or things that we're, we're dealing with. Um, but picking, you know, how many, you know, pick, identifying the bully is just the beginning. Like you still, it doesn't make the bully go away. We have to figure out what we're going to do with it. So um, we're going to look at a, a passage today. It's a very familiar, very popular passage. Many of you probably probably have this basically memorized. Um, it's the Ephesians six. Uh, it's a letter Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus. It's his, his, his concluding kind of encouragement to them. Um, this is a, a passage that that if you've grown up in church, you've you've seen this, you've heard this, you you've you've read this. But I, I trust the Lord has something fresh for us this morning. Um, so before we jump into it, let's just uh, invite the Lord's presence into His His Word. God, we we thank you for this moment. We thank you for just the opportunity to to sit under Your Word today. God, would you speak to us? God, you say your word never returns void. And so as we, as we hear your words this morning, um, would you empower it to change our minds, change our hearts, change our, 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 our bodies, our, our emotions, every, every part of us that needs to come under and come into alignment with, with your truth, with your word. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. So Ephesians 6, we're just going to jump right in. Um, again, this is Paul writing. He says, a final word. It's because this is the end of the letter. <laughs> uh, he says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We've sung a lot about that this morning even. Um, verse 11, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. So this is... This is the verse where we get the, you know, the, that, that classic kids song, um, you know, I'm a soldier in the Lord's army, yes sir. This is the, the birthplace of that, of that song. Um, again, if you grew up in kids church or children's ministry or Sunday school, I'm sure at some point in your life you, 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 you probably put a sticker on some part of your body labeling the armor. Um, and so hopefully we're going we're gonna to recall some of, those, some of those simple truths this morning. Um, but before we get into the actual armor, uh, 
you know, this, this phrase is, that we just read in verse 11 is so important. He says, put on the, the, uh, all of God's armor. Um, you know, first he says all of it. It's, and we'll talk more about that later. But it, it works as a, a system. It's not an individual thing. You need it all. Um, so that you will be able to. That phrase, be able to, um, it's the same root word. You could also say you will have the power to. It's the same. It's the root word there is the same word that we see in Acts when, or, or in, in the, the New Testament when, in the Gospel, when Jesus uh, sends the disciples to, to the upper room and he says, uh, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Dunamis it's, it is the root. It's the same, the same word. So this isn't just an, a natural ability that, that Paul is talking about. He, he's referring to, to, to the power of the Holy Spirit. We are ordered to stand in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in our own power. So that's right off the bat, that is, that is a foundational um, statement that Paul is making. And, he, and the rest of this is him fleshing that out. What does it look like? This is, not, this is not an order for you to go do this thing. You go stand and you go fight. He, what, he, what Paul is saying, he's reminding them. Um, I don't have time to go into the whole thing. But Ephesians, the book in, in general, is, is a letter Paul wrote to a group of people that were scared. They lived in a city... Um, called Ephesus. It was a, a very, very spiritual city. They had a bunch of gods. They were very into their gods. Um, and, and Paul is writing to them because, uh, well, the, the church there, you have all these new converts, and they still are, are wrestling with how this, how does being a Christian relate to, to uh, the, the world that I knew? I used to have all of these other gods that I could go to, and I would do this, and, he would, and this God would protect me from this, and I would do that, and this God would protect me from that. And in Ephesus, there was a real big, um, it was, uh, there was a lot of these mystery cults, they called them, and, and basically these were groups of people that claimed to have secret power and, and secret uh, you know, it, it's kind of remind me of like modern day, uh, modern day like new age kind of cult schemes. You know, it's like five thousand. Give us five thousand dollars and you can get to level five, and we'll give you the the secret of life. Is kind of that idea that you could join these these groups, and once you got to a certain level, you were given cer certain incantations or certain secrets that would help you live forever and give you power over other people. Um, now, to us, that that seems kind of Kind of silly, but um, as we'll see later in this verse, and as we've talked about throughout this series, there are real spiritual forces out there, and and the, the church at Ephesus was not ignorant. These, these were not people that that were, um, uh, you know, fear afraid of some silly thing. They had seen the, these spiritual forces in action. And so now that they were no longer a part of that, they've stepped away and they've come under, under, under Jesus' lordship. They're, they're wondering, who, where is my protection? How do, what do I do about all of, these, all of these things? I feel uncovered. And the, the book of Ephesians, the point of it is, Paul is writing to them to help them understand that no, you, you are not unprotected. You are better protected. That, that God... God Jesus has provided for you a better protection, a better power. And, and the difference is that he gives it freely. He does not hide his mysteries from anyone. Anyone who seeks, he gives it willingly because he's a loving and a generous God. 
So that's the, the message of Ephesians, and that wasn't in my notes, so I need to skip ahead. <laughs> we are ordered to stand in the power of the Spirit. And, and, and then he goes on and kind of uh, builds that out. Verse 12 says, For we fight, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers, uh, evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, we could do a whole series just on this verse. There's a lot packed in there. They, they give a lot of different, uh, Paul gives a lot of different kind of descriptions for these different um, things that we're fighting. And, and we don't have time to go into to every, all, what all the different nuances are. But to say this, that, that these are spiritual forces. There are, um, there are, there are demons. There are, Evil forces that that have uh, that occupy different areas in in our sphere in this world. There are there are some that that are tied to geography. Um, there are some that are are, are tied to to a, a certain um, uh, place or a certain behavior. There are some that are uh, assigned to certain people groups. And we don't have time to go into all of how that happens, um, except to say that, that there are a lot of them out there. And we have to recognize that, that, that and that that is who we are fighting. We are, we are not, our struggle is not against your boss, or your teacher, or your mom, or your son, or your neighbor, or even that politician. Whoever he may be, or she. That's not what we're fighting. There are, are spiritual forces that we are struggling with. Now those, those forces have, have uh, won't say possessed because that, that's a different conversation, but have influence to and use people to accomplish their, their, their missions and their goals. And so we may be struggling. The, str the struggle may be, in, in a large part, feel like it's with a person, but it's not the person itself that you are struggling with. It's the thing that's motivating the person. Some of you, um, as we've been going through this series, might even be struggling with the fact that you, you've been realizing that the, the bully that you are fighting is actually the bully in yourself. There are parts of, of you that maybe you're acknowledging, or you've, maybe it's not the series, you just know. I, you struggle with intimidation. You struggle with being a bully, if you're honest. You're, you, you go to anger to get what you want. You, you, you use emotional manipulation or, or deceit to, to accomplish the things that, that you need to. You recognize this. I'm, I'm here, one of the things I want to make clear today is the good news is that, that what we're going to be looking at, the strategy that Paul is giving us to beat the bullies in the world also works inside. Um, so I just want to draw that out before we, we go any further. That if you're here today and you recognize that that there is a, a there is a bully inside of you that 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 you've maybe you've been struggling with it for ten years, twenty years, or maybe you're just now recognizing that that that's there. 
Or maybe you have, it's not inside, it's a, it's a bully. You're dealing with someone or something, um, fear or, or guilt or shame, the things we've been talking about. Maybe it's an embodiment of a person. Um, Paul is giving us a strategy to beat those bullies. And that's what we're going to look at today. Um, just continuing our, uh, verse 13 says, Therefore put on every piece of God's armor. So you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And time of evil doesn't necessarily refer to the end times. This isn't an Armageddon verse. This isn't the end of days, although that that may apply. The evil time is just the time that is evil. It can be any it could be where you find yourself right now. If you're dealing with a bully, if you're dealing with an attack, you are in a time of evil. So we'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Now that's a kind of an undersold translation. When the Bible says you'll be standing firm at the end of the battle, the only person who's standing firm at the end of the battle is the one who won. So you get that, you know, when, when, when two armies collide, the only people, the battle's over when there's only one army standing, right? When the other one is defeated. And so this is just a... a, a a phrase that means you'll win. Not just, you won't just be alive. You won't just make it through, but you'll be victorious. And then Paul goes into how this all works. What is this strategy? And today I want to look at, look at this and kind of do a, a fly-by, big-picture look at this thing we call the armor of God. Um, a lot of times when we, when we look at this, this passage, um, there's a lot of time spent kind of using the individual pieces of armor as, um, as kind of th- thought exercises on what, what the different things that are connected to that piece, like the, you know, the belt of truth and how, what a belt does and how, how that, that, that reflects the, in truth and how truth helps us in that way. And, and that's a good exercise, um, but that's not what, what our focus today is going to be. I, I want us to look at, um, focus more on just the ideas themselves, because I, a lot of scholars agree that's, that was Paul's primary focus. It wasn't so much giving each thing a specific piece of armor, and we can get sometimes lost in the details. Um, so I want us to focus today on kind of a big picture. What are these, the, these things, these five or six things that, that, that Jesus gives us as the strategy for dealing with, with the bullies, with these spiritual forces, with the things that are coming against us? Verse 14 says, Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, and the body armor of God's righteousness. So getting right to it. The belt of truth. Um, truth. What is truth? The, the word here is aletheia. I'm sure I said that wrong. Um, and I love this definition. It, it's, it's the reality lying at the basis of an appearance. It's the reality lying at the basis of an appearance. The veritable essence of a matter it's the thing behind the thing and so Paul is telling us to put on truth this this you could also say this is this is our vision in Christ 
When we are in Christ, we're going to use this phrase in Christ a lot today. And, and what that simply means is, is when we step into, uh, when we are adopted by Jesus, when we, when we submit ourselves to him, when, when we accept his forgiveness and give him lordship as he is deserved in our life, we are endowed, we are considered in Christ. We, we see this phrase a lot in, in Scripture. And it means we've, we've come under him. And, and these, these are the things we will see uh, throughout today. This armor is, is basically your inheritance to being in Christ. It's a good way of, kind of good way of looking at what, what Paul is describing here. And the first thing he gives us is this truth, this vision, the ability to see what is real. Bible talks a lot about outside of the kingdom of God. When we, are, when we are far from God, we are blinded, right? You can think even to Paul's own experience. He, his, in his conversion, the Lord kind of gives him a, a real-time life experience of this, right? Where he, he gets blinded at first, and then, and then God miraculously removes those scales from his eyes. It was kind of a, a, a prophetic uh, uh, image or story to, to show what was going on inside of Paul. When we, when we come to Jesus, when He becomes our Lord, one of the things we get is, is vision. We get to see life and see us and see God and see others the way God does. See what is reality. So this, is the, this is the first thing. Truth is our vision in Christ so we can see clearly. And then there's a second part, obviously, in this, this verse. He, he says the belt of truth and also the body armor of God's righteousness. This uh, the body armor, it, it was actually it was a, mostly a chest plate that the Roman soldiers would, would wear. Um, and this, this refers to, you know, when we talk about God's righteousness, we're talking about, what are we talking about? We're talking about um, our identity in Christ. Righteousness is an identity issue. It's, it's not a performance issue. And it's really important that we understand that. You are not righteous because you act right. You are righteous because you were, you were declared right. It's, it's your identity. It's, it's who you are in Christ. The original, when I was reading, um, the... Uh, the original kind of English transliteration of this word wasn't righteous back, you know, way back in the day. Uh, they, they actually trans, uh, the word was right wiseness. And eventually that got, you know, changed to righteousness. But right wiseness, it's, it's the state of being as it ought. I love that definition. Righteousness is the state of being as it ought to be. And so we're to put on in Christ this identity of, of being as we ought to be. Our, our, our relationship status, who we are in Christ is as we ought to be. That it, it, it doesn't, we're not waiting. Um, <laughs> we don't just have a green card. And we're not, and we're just waiting for, for you know, some some uh, the the you know the 
the heavenly kingdom to, to process our paperwork so we can, you know, get our full citizenship. When you come in, there, there, is, no, there is no green card. You, you get full citizenship from day one. It's a beautiful thing. They're way more efficient in heaven than, than, than they are at, at, at the INS. <laughs> yes, yes. And if anybody has, has dealt with that process, uh, yes, that's, a, that's a, a reason to shout right there. Righteousness is, is our identity in Christ. So we have truth, we have vision in Christ, we have righteousness, we have an identity in Christ. And if we go on, uh, verse 15, Paul goes on, he says, For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. So the next thing we put on is this peace from the good news. What is, what is this? This, I think, to me, this describes our emotional state in Christ. See where we're going with this? This is all of us. Just spoiler alert. We're going to come around to all the parts of you in Christ have a different definition. <laughs> they have a, a different status. And peace is to be our emotional state in Christ. Peace meaning still. Free of anxiety. Free of, free of internal conflict. This is, this, is our, our, to, this is what we are to put on. This is, this is what, what in Christ looks like. Um, and again, not something that we perform. It's something we receive. This peace that comes from the good news. I love that phrase that comes from the good news. If, if you're struggling with peace today, this verse will give you a clue uh, of, of where to go to for, for the answer. Go back to the good news. Go back to the gospel. Sometimes we look for the solution to the, the, the thing that we are looking at that is, we think is causing us to not be at peace and, and, and that becomes the determination. Uh, well, this thing's going wrong, and so, Lord, I need the answer. Uh, I need the answer for that. I need to see what's going to fix that. I need to, to, to know that it's going to be fixed at least, right? So I have faith. I'll pray just at least I need to trust that you're going to fix it. And, and sometimes that's not the answer. Sometimes, sometimes the answer is no, you have to go back. Just go back to the beginning. You want peace? Go back to the gospel. Go back to, to what, what big picture God has done in you and wants to do to you and through you. And that can release peace in our life regardless of what this... Because what it does is it shrinks those, those individual circumstances where they're not so big. They're not so scary. Because when compared to, to the grandeur of God's... Jesus' sacrifice and our, and our ultimate uh, inheritance in Him, it's just, it just puts it in its proper place. Yeah, it's, an, it's, it's annoying, but it's not, it's not something I need to, to worry about. Peace from the good news. And then he goes on, he's in verse 16, he says, In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. So how we, now we've got the, the shield of faith. This word faith talks about our relationship with Jesus. Um, the word here is, is, is pistis in, in the Greek. Um, 
And I love, I love the, the digging into the, this whole idea of faith and grace. Uh, we've, we've talked about this in, in, in times past about what, what uh, this really, what Paul is talking about um, when he uses these words. This word pistis um, talks to, refers to the, this, the culture at that time that was largely based on this patron client relationship. If you, if you've been around and have heard us talk about that before, you know it's it, it it's the it was kind of the the what their whole society was was based on was the you had these these patrons the it was the the wealthy and the powerful that that um, if you were just a if you were just a you know a plebe if you were just a regular folk your 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 goal in life was to align yourself. To create a relationship with, with someone who, who had wealth and power. That was, that was the strategy. That's how you, you were going to uh, survive in, in that world. They didn't have all of these, you know, standard, uh, things that we had. They didn't have insurance and, um, you know, bill of rights and all of these things. Everything was relational currency. Um, in, the, in the New Testament times. And so uh, if you were just an average person, your, your goal in life was to find the biggest, strongest, wealthiest, most powerful person you could and, and make a relationship with them. And that relationship was all based on these two, the nature of that relationship was based on these two words, um, charisma, which we translate grace, and pistis, which we translate faith. And, and the, the whole dynamic of this relationship was, was simply this, that, that the client, the, re, the, the person without the power, your job was to honor and to extol and make sure everybody knew how great your patron was. That's, that's, what the, that's what the patron got out of it. They got, you know, remember we talked last week or two weeks ago about honor and shame-based uh, cultures and how... Bible was very honor based. That's that was the highest currency you could have, and so so for for those uh, uh, patrons, that's what they that's what they were looking for. Um, and so if you were uh, that was that was all you had to give because if you were just a if you were just a regular guy, you didn't have <laughs> you didn't have money, you didn't have authority, you couldn't really do much, couldn't actually do anything to help a patron to to, to that was going to be equal. Um, but in exchange for that, in the relationship, the patron then was obligated, expected to, because now once the relationship was established, now the patron's name and reputation, his honor, the thing that he cared most about was now tied to the well-being and the status of the client. And so when, when we see in Scripture, when it talks about our, 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 this shield of faith, it's this trust in the relational provision and protection of the patron. That God has a vested interest and will protect and provide for you, not because of, of how great you are or because you earned it, but because He has chosen to put His name on you and He cares about what His name looks like. And that can be a relief to us. He's, God is not expecting us to, 
quote, earn our keep. That was never, in that culture, in that society, that was never, that was never an expectation because everyone knew that that was never going to happen. And not only was it never going to happen, that would have been seen as almost an affront or an insult to the patron if a client tried. Because the whole point of it is you're, you are to reflect and bestow the, the, the virtues of this patron, right? And so you, you can only do that if, if they are being generous to you. You would never, you would never try and outgive your patron. Right? First, it would be impossible. <laughs> and two, because the, the whole nature of the relationship was you being, you being dependent upon their generosity, not the other way around. So we have this shield. Paul gives us, talks about the shield of faith. It's, it's this thing that protects us. Is that it's, it's, you know, the shield is, is of the armor. It's, it's the, the first line of defense. It's, the, it's the, kind of the big dog. If you don't have that, you're really, really, really in trouble. It's, it's, the, it's our relationship with Jesus that, and understanding the, the, the true dynamic of that relationship that is our primary defense against the enemy. Moving on, verse 17 says, uh, put, on, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Um, so we'll get to that one. But uh, so the, on salvation as your helmet. Salvation here. Um, word here is talking about uh, our future in Christ. Salvation... Talks about our future. Sotorius. It uh, talks about rescue. What's your future look like? Well, it looks like rescue. We in Christ have a destiny of being rescued. Now that 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 destiny um, can. You know, like, like a lot of things, it rolls out like an onion in layers. This is true ultimately one day, whether uh, it's, you know, Jesus coming back for all of us, uh, you know, in his second coming, whether it's, it's one day when you go see him. Um, he hasn't made the, he's not making the trip yet, but your, your, your time is done and you, you go see him. Or it could be tomorrow. Because, God's salvation, His rescue isn't just the eternal, isn't just heaven. It is, it is the destiny that we, we look to every day. God is planning on rescuing tomorrow, rescuing you tomorrow. It's on His agenda. It's always on His agenda. God's salvation is, is, it, it is positional, it is progressive, it is ongoing. He is continually saving us. He is continually rescuing us. It's not a a one-time deal and it's not just a future thing. It was a one-time deal. It is a future thing, but it's also an every moment thing. This is our, our future in Christ. And then we have... Uh, so that's the, the salvation that we put on as a helmet. And then, he, then Paul tells us to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the, the Word of God. Um, and it's interesting, you know, this, 
this is the only thing that, that Paul, Paul chooses to, to, to name as an offensive weapon, right? Everything else to this point pretty much has been, uh, has been a, a defense, shields and helmets and sandals, all these things. Um, two things I think, I think we can draw from this uh, without going too far down a rabbit hole is one, um, it's the only offensive weapon we need. <laughs> it's the sword of the spirit, the word of God. It's all, it, it's the only one he gave us because it's the only one you need. It's plenty powerful on its own. Um, and then the second thing that, that as I was meditating on this, I thought of, it paints such a beautiful picture of a God who cares more about your protection than your production. Cares more about protecting you than he does about making sure that you can go accomplish whatever battle you're out on. This was one of the, the revolutionary things about the Roman army was they were they were so well protected. They didn't they focused on on, on that, which enabled them to enabled them to be so successful. God cares about your protection more than your production. And that's an important thing for us to, to embrace. That, that so, much, so much of the time, we've, because of our experiences and being, being used by other people or being bullied by, by certain thoughts or certain um, you know, just experiences we've gone through, we get this idea, this image of God that, that uh, you know, our relationship to Him is, is completely tied into our production for Him. And that's, that's just not the case. God cares way more about keep protecting you than he does about you being productive for him. Let's be honest. You on your best day? Is it, I mean, God of the universe created everything with a word. <laughs> he don't need your help. <laughs> He's totally fine by himself. In fact, we are honored and we are privileged that he lets us help at times. But at the end of the day, it's a lot like me cleaning with my kids, right? Like, this is a very inefficient way to get the thing done that I'm trying to get done. It's going to take longer, <laughs> right? It's, it, and it's not going to be as clean. But that's okay. God cares more about our protection than our production. So let's talk a little bit about this. So, so we got that down. So he, what is this sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God? The word here, word, uh, there's several different words that they use to, to get translated word in the Bible. There's, um, this one um, doesn't get used a lot, but it's, a, it's an important word. It's, it's rhema. Rhema is, is the actively spoken word. It's not just it's not just scripture, although it is scripture. It is the active spoken word of God that that is this offensive weapon. When we when we re-speak what he's spoken, when we say what he has said, when we when we activate what he has given us. This is the weapon that God has given us. 
That we, we speak the Word of God, the words that He has said, He has said them for us to re-speak. And it's amazing to me that, that we are even part of the process, but this is, this is what, what, what the model that the Lord has, has laid out for us. And, and many of us, sometimes we, are, we, are, uh, we struggle with these, these, we wrestle, we're fighting, we're doing all these things, and the reason we don't see the progress is because we're not, we're not using the sword. We have it. It's in our pocket all the time, or it's on our desk. We may even read it, but we're not activating it. We're not speaking it. Now listen, it's not you speaking it that, that, that wherein lies the power. The power is in, in, in God's Word. It's in His Spirit. But God has chosen to partner with us, and at times... It's, it's that act of speaking in faith that, that releases, frees him to do what it is he wants to do. So those are the, that's the, the big picture of what we're talking about. When, when this is the strategy. These are the things that, that, that Jesus has given us as our defense and our offense when we're dealing with these, these bullies in our life. And it's sufficient to conquer them. We know that. Scripture tells us that. And we, we've seen that over and over. Now, how, why is it though that sometimes we don't, we don't see the, the victory that we believe we should be experiencing? Well, I think it's because um, one possible reason is that we have to use the thing that God gave us to use in the way that he told us to use it. See, this army, this armor, um, you know, this is Roman armor we're talking about. This is a, a, Paul is drawing on his current situation and circumstances. He's talking about uh, a Roman legionnaire. Um, and they, they were the most dominant army on the on the face of the earth anybody had ever seen up to that point um and their armor and, and all these things he's describing were designed to be used in a certain way and there was two factors that made it very successful and if they didn't they didn't use them the way they were supposed to they would not nearly have been successful the first thing is that they had to be used in the right place See, the, the, the whole military strategy with all of the armor was based on fighting in open, flat fields. It wasn't, it wasn't designed to, to, to do jungle warfare. It wasn't because it wasn't where they were, that there was plenty of flat ground. That's how, how they fought back then. But it, was, it only worked when they did it where they were supposed to do it. And sometimes... Uh, some of us are losing battles because we aren't on the right battlefield. See, we're trying to put the armor on and we're reading and we're, you know, reading scripture and trying to be at peace and all these things. We're putting it all on, but we're spending too much time alone in a room by yourself with a screen. Or with, with friends that, that every time you get together, they, that you, you leave feeling worse about yourself than when you walked in because they do nothing but 
point out your flaws. Every day you go to a job that, that you're constantly feeling guilty because it's just not, it, the, the environment is, is toxic and they, they're constantly asking you to do things that you're not, you're not comfortable with, you don't think is, 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 is righteous or, or, or maybe a little shady. We have to be in the right place. We have to put ourselves on the right field. And sometimes um, we can do all of the other things, but if there's not, if there's, if we're choosing to put ourselves geographically in a place that that armor doesn't wasn't designed to function, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So we have to be in the right place. And then the second thing is we have to use it in the right way. What is that? Well, verse 18 gives us a clue. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. Here's the clue. For all believers everywhere. Hold on. I need to get something. All right. I'm going to do a little demonstration. Hope you help us all get a picture of this. Um, I rated... I just want to kind of show you something real quick. We've seen this, right? We know what the armor... You're familiar with the armor. So we got our shoes, right? So there's our, our piece. We're putting our piece on. That's great. Yay. I feel at peace. Oh. Cohen's going to be real excited. Um. <laughs> All right, I got my sword, right? Sword of faith. I got my helmet. I don't know if this is going to work. There we go. You get the picture. All right? This is actually a sled, but... It's the right dimension, so here we go. So we got our shield, right? So, hey, so this is, this is what we're talking about. I'm, this is pretty good, right? This is a pretty good defense. I'm ready, I'm ready for battle. But here's the thing. Let me just show you something. There's not much back there. Right? <laughs> there's a problem. There's a there's a there's a, an inherent design flaw in this in this armor, but it's really not a flaw. It's just it becomes a weakness for us because we use it wrong. See, this this whole weapon system was never designed to be an individual's weapon system. It was an army's weapon system, and and the way that it was uh, designed to work was in tandem with a whole bunch of other soldiers. You lined up uh, next to each other, and, and your shield, that you would hold your shield, and it would guard your, half of your front and the front of the guy next to you, and they'd lock shields all the way across. And then the, the row behind them would take their shields and, and put it up over the top, so it would cover the top. And the people on the, this side would actually be facing out this way, and the people in the back would be facing this way. And it would create, they called it the tortoise, because it looked like a big turtle shell. 
And when they would do that, it was the most, and they were on level ground. It was one, it, to date, at that time, it was the most indefensible uh, military strategy ever known. But it only worked when they were together. See, soldiers were to stand their ground, and as long as they stood together, as long as they didn't break ranks, they were, they were undefeated. You have to use the armor the way it's supposed to. Together. See, we talk about the sword of the Spirit. How we need to, you know, we said how it's a rhema. We need to speak it. And a lot of times when we read that, we, we think mostly about, you know, like, speaking to the devil, to the enemy, right? And that is absolutely accurate. And we should do that. But I think equally important is that we actually, now it doesn't work well in the analogy, but <laughs> I think we're designed to be using the sword of the spirit on each other as much or more than we try and use it on the enemy. Speaking the, the, the using the, the, this rhema, the words of God, speaking and re-speaking it to each other to encourage and, and to, you know, iron sharpens iron. The word of God is a, you know, two-edged sword. It, it works when we talk to each other about it. When I, when I speak it into your life and you speak it into my life. I don't know about you, but in my life, it's always more, I can read a verse a bunch of times and sometimes the Lord's able to give me, you know, um, it's meaningful, and, and, and that, that, is, that is helpful. But the most powerful moments of, of the, the words of God coming to life, at least in my life, have always been spoken to me from somebody else. And so I think, I think sometimes this is, our, this is our biggest struggle. It's not that we don't understand conceptually the armor. It's that we're not using it the right way enough. We're not together enough. We're not, we're not putting it into use the way God designed it to be used. But when we do, when we do, it's, it's, we're, we're invincible. When we come together, when we, when we speak His Word to each other, when, we, when we're honest with each other about the, the, the bullies and the things that we're experiencing, when we confess to each other like, like we're supposed to, um, God is free to do amazing and powerful things among us. Just a preview. I know it sounds so far away, but I trust me, it's not. <laughs> It's, it's at our earliest possible moment. So starting in, in, in like January, we're going to be launching a whole new uh, slew, uh, this new initiative. It's called Rooted. Some of, some of you have, have been through it. We've taken a, a guinea pig group through it. And, um, and the whole point of this, th this initiative is, is just this. It's we've got to get better at getting together and sharing Sharing Jesus with each other, sharing our own lives with each other, telling each other uh, what God said about each other to each other. I know that that's January. I'm telling you now. Mark it on your calendars. You, no one can say we did not give you enough head, head, head warning. Just mark off, you know, January and February and say, okay, I don't know what this is, but there's this thing called rooted, and I need to do it. Just put it on your calendar now. Um, that's going to be. 
it's going to be, a, I think, a really significant thing for all of us. So, um, You can stand. We're going to close here in just a minute. Um, but I wanted, to, I wanted to close a, a little bit differently today. Because, um, you know, why not? Um, and I want us to kind of, this may be a little uncomfortable, especially if, you, if, if you're new, um, but bear with us. <laughs> everyone everyone uh, get out your courage. Um, simply this. Instead of me praying for everybody, like, you know, like you normally do, you dismiss service, I just want to do this. I want us to, um, I'm going to ask a, a question or two, and then I want you guys to just get in groups of no more than six, more than one. <laughs> um, and, ha- and just share an answer to one of these two questions with each other. And then after each person shares, pray for that person. Um, if you, if you're, you're getting in groups, especially if you call this home, if you're comfortable here, look around, make sure there's no one, you know, awkwardly hoping somebody calls them in, invite somebody into your space. Um, and here's the two questions. What bully are you battling? What bully are you battling? Is it, is it fear? Is it guilt? Is it shame? And if so, is there a specific area? Is there a specific situation? You know, as much as you're comfortable sharing. Um, but what, what bully are you battling that we can, we can encourage and, and, and come alongside and pray for you about? And then the second question is uh, more directly about today's message. Is there, is there a certain part of this armor that is missing in your life? Or that you really struggle with? You know, do, do, do you struggle with, with having the confidence to speak the words of God? Is, is it that, you, you know, you, you struggle with the, the, the idea of confidence and, and understanding, you know, Jesus' salvation? You just always feel exposed and, and you're, ne- you're never sure if you can really expect that, that he's going he's gonna to be there for you. Is it, is it, uh, you know, is it, is it truth? Is it, do you just feel like you just don't see the world clearly? That you're always, always being blindsided and surprised by, by, by the situations and things around you. Is it righteousness? Do you just have a hard time believing that you're actually one of his kids and that you can, you can, you can rest in that? Is it, is it peace? If you're honest, and say, I just, I don't, I'm not at peace in life. <laughs> just my, default, my default place that I go to is I'm just anxious all the time or most of the time. I need, I need to, I need for God to change that in me. I need, I want to, I want to live from a place of peace that comes from the good news, to be at rest, to not, to not live in, in an anxious state. So those are the two questions. Um, and so, so yeah, so I want, why don't we, Break up into groups. 
pick one of those questions. If you're not comfortable um, answering those, it's okay. You can say pass, but it's okay. You can do it. I encourage you. <laughs> but groups, answer a question, then pray.